Good day, everybody, and welcome to the Midwest Football Cavalcade. I'm John Dooley, and this is our week two preview. That's right, no more week zero, no more week one. We are dipping right into week two with your Big Ten games, and then a quick look at the MAC and the Missouri Valley Football Conference, all the great games that are coming through to us in the Midwest. If you want to follow us, we are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, pretty much wherever podcasts are available. The Midwest Football Cavalcade with John Dooley. You can also find us on Facebook and please find us on Twitter X. I don't know what to call it. I still call it Twitter or X, whatever the damn app is. I'm not on the other places yet. I don't have an Instagram. What am I going to put on Instagram? Just me yelling about football. I mean, you just get that on the podcast, right? Why would I have an an Instagram of me yelling at stuff? That seems silly. Yeah, maybe I should do it anyway. Anyways, my name's John Dooley. You can find us at Twitter X at Dooley Football. That's D-O-O-L-E-Y. That's my last name, by the way. It's not just some clever thing I put up there or some hearkening back to former Georgia head coach Vince Dooley or former Chicago Bears head coach Jim Dooley. It's just me, Dooley. It's at Dooley Football. I don't have enough followers on there, so if you have one, you have to follow me. Do it right now. you got to stop, follow me, stop, drop, open up shop, you know, all the good stuff that you like to do during party time. Uh, it's Thursday night that I'm recording this during the odd of conference playing the big 10. I have split up the previews and reviews. So we had the week one review earlier in the week, and now we're doing the week two preview. And I would like to do this earlier in the week, but the injury reports are really late. The coaches aren't saying anything. It's becoming like the NFL. You have to guess every two seconds as to what somebody else is doing. It's just kind of absurd. But I'm broadcasting this on the Thursday night before the weekend games. And it's kind of insane, kind of insane that we're doing this Friday night football thing again. The Big Ten and FS1, you know, this whole marriage destroyed football. College football is being slowly destroyed, as we all know. It's been well documented. And I will get to that as the year goes on with conference realignments. And I I want to do a special podcast as far as that's concerned. But Friday nights really do belong to high schools until the end of October. And it seems silly to me that we do these Friday night games during September and October. And then I think they go away in November, which is stupid. That's when they should start. That's when the state playoffs take place and most of the games are on Saturdays in most states. They're not on Fridays. At least that's how Illinois operates. I don't know how your state operates, but that's what we do. So you could bring back the, you could, if you want to do the Friday night games, do it in November. Don't do it in September and October when small town people are going to their, to their particular schools. It's a shame that the two big public schools in Indiana outside of Purdue are playing each other this weekend, which were Indiana state's going to be playing Indiana. And where's everybody going to be? So Tom Allen actually complained about that during a press conference this week. He said the Big Ten has done a disservice to to prep football. And I have to agree with him. 
I have to agree with him on that. Now, Thursday night, especially this opening NFL night, college football does not dare put any competition up against the NFL opener. So the uh, stunning result came through that the Lions defeated the Kansas City Chiefs. Just got done watching that. Just got done watching the Chiefs drop 10 passes or whatever the heck that was. Do I think the Lions are that good? I think the Lions were a little too cute with their draft this year, and I think they're still a step behind the Vikings. Yeah, I said the Vikings, the team everybody's not talking about. Everybody wants to see what the Packers do with Jordan Love. Everybody wants to talk about what the Bears are going to do with their new weapons. But the Vikings won the division last year, and they didn't get that much worse. So just for me, I think the Vikings are going to hold on to win the division. I think the division's not going to be that good. I think the Vikings will win the division with nine games. They'll win it on a tiebreaker over Detroit with nine games. I think Green Bay is actually going to be mediocre. They'll have eight wins. They have a good supporting cast with Jordan Love, but sometimes he's a little puzzling. And I think the Bears are going to stink. I think the Bears are going to go 6-11. and 11. I think the Bears are going to struggle. You cannot win without a pass rush. You cannot win without a defensive line. And they've got arguably the worst defensive line in, the, in all of football, which is a shame because the rest of their team's actually not that bad. But uh, they're going to run into some troubles with that defensive line. So you got a free NFL preview. You probably hate me. I know a lot of people that listen to this are Bears fans. They're going to be upset. The Packer fans are going to be upset. I don't think anybody's going to be happy. I don't. Even, the Vi- Vikings fans, I don't even think, like their team. I don't even think they like the Vikings. I think they're annoyed by them. They're bothered by them. They begrudgingly will sit and watch Vikings games. sitting in their shanty on top of their pond during the winter, ice fishing, getting really upset. It's a Minnesota tradition. Hey, maybe not this year. Maybe you never know. Hey, it's the start of the year. It's a completely different year. Anyways, welcome to the Dooley Football Cavalcade. I'm John Dooley. Let's get right to the week two preview items. Uh, the first game on my docket and. I like to do this, um, and you know what I also like is, I, you know, I have in a very enclosed space here, so I get to, um, you get to hear my uh, paper. That's how you know it's official. That's how you know it's real. I'm going to do this chronologically. Mo- most people have informed me they like to listen to this Saturday morning when they're doing driving around town, dropping kids off or whatnot. And they're listening to the next week's preview and some games have already been played. That's why I'm against the Friday night games. I'm against the Friday night games because I know that with the Friday night games, I lose time with listenership. Because you're listening to this on Saturday and the the game already happened on Friday. So hopefully you're listening to this on Friday. But Indiana State is going to be at Indiana. They'll be playing on the Big Ten Network Friday night at 6 p.m. This is their first meeting since 2014. Some really great names in this game. Indiana State's quarterback, his name, Gavin Screws. That's right, Gavin Screws. He screws. Uh, Cade Chambers, last year's Missouri Valley Football Conference Freshman of the Year. Mm, It's a big title, Freshman of the Year. 
he is hurt, so he's not playing. So if you want to look at a reason why the Eastern Illinois Panthers shut out Indiana State 27 to nothing, that would be one of the big reasons for it. We'll see how the trees rebound from that. I think this is a great opportunity for Indiana to find some cohesion with their offense. But as we know, Tom Allen is against this. So he's going to rotate Taven Jackson and Brendan Soresby. And uh, we'll see how that goes. And I did I just call him Brandon? It's Brendan. It doesn't matter. His last name's Soresby, and you want to call him like Sobsby or whatever. It just There's too many. He's got to change his name so it's like really simple. We'll call him B. So, be so. He's kind of being so-so. What are some goals for the Hoosiers in this game? Uh, Indiana State doesn't have the best offensive line. They've got a young O-line, so they need to get pressure on that young quarterback. Uh, Don't be afraid to send players like Casey. Get Indiana State in some long situations. Get Camper into space. That's what you do against these FCS teams that might not have the athletes to match up with your team. So, finding ways to get him into space. So your playmakers can make plays. Indiana State's secondary is also banged up. So something to think of if you're a Hoosier fan or if you're Tom Allen and you're listening to this. This is free info. And by the way, which podcast is going to let you know that Indiana State's secondary is banged up? You're not getting that anywhere else. Are you kidding me? Anyway, Hoosiers should win fairly big. There's actually a semi-decent game on Friday night. We got a decent game. Danny Manning, Derek Harper, Wilt Chamberlain, the Flying Illini, Darren Williams, Rex Walters, all the great names of basketball past. Greg Ostertag, remember him? The Kansas Jayhawks and the Illinois Fighting Illini live from Fog Allen Fieldhouse. The only problem, folks, is it's football, it's not basketball. The Illini will be taking on Kansas. The Jayhawks are actually three-point favorites. So a little bit about this game. They'll be playing at 6.30 on ESPN2. So the Jayhawks are an interesting team. They have actually a pretty solid offensive line. Jalen Daniels, uh, we just heard today, is going to play in this game. No final word yet if he's going to start. You probably know this by the time you're listening to it, but there hasn't been a final word. They just said he he was going to play. Kansas has a really good secondary. Kobe Bryant and Kenny Logan are two names that you're going to want to look out for. But they don't have the best defensive line. Uh, Not really the best defense. They got a really good secondary, as I said earlier. Daniels is expected to play, but this is a team that returned 17 starters. 10 on the offensive side of the ball. And one thing after evaluating these two teams that became crystal clear, which kind of worries me, Illinois is going to have to run the ball. They're going to have to run the ball. They're going to have to chew up the clock. They're going to have to be effective weathering and wearing down that Kansas front seven. You're going to have to do that on the road. And you can't afford for Luke Altmaier to make mistakes. It doesn't matter if balls are thrown behind or off guys' guys's hands. Balls are tipped. It doesn't matter. Luke Altmaier has to make plays because he's going toe-to-toe with with an athlete, with like a a legitimate quarterback in Jalen Daniels. This Illinois defense is going to be in trouble. I expect a high-scoring game. 
And I'll be honest with you, I think Kansas is going to pull this one out. I feel like I'm in the minority on this, but at least amongst people in the land of Lincoln. But I, I just think Kansas is a better team. They've got a better offense. They got too many weapons on offense to for Illinois to stop. So this is actually a really good out of conference test for Illinois to see where they're at. Cause this isn't, um, I wouldn't view this as a hand me. Usually Kansas was at the bottom of the big 12 when it came to football. This is a semi-decent team. This is actually a pretty solid Kansas team. So it's a good, true road game to play, to find out where your team's at. I know some people were frustrated about the Toledo game. We said on here, Toledo is going to be a good team. That game's going to be a tough game. This game's going to also be tough. So we'll see how it turns out. But I got Kansas winning by about 10 points. I had this, I think, at 38-28. So we'll see how it goes. But those are the two Friday night games that are currently on the slate. Game number three, Saturday morning, the Youngstown State Penguins out of the Missouri Valley Football Conference are at Ohio State. Youngstown entered the year outside the top 25 in the FCS. For those of you that are older, you may remember Youngstown used to be a 1AA, which is now FCS. They used to be a powerhouse, like a real powerhouse team, 80s, 90s, early aughts. And the program kind of fell off. They came out in week one, swinging, beating Valpo 52 to 10. Ohio State's going to need a better performance from their offensive line. I I think this is the perfect game for them to get logged to get locked in and to be more physical and to try to establish that physicality with that group because that looked like a passive offensive line group against Indiana. And they got abused for geez, for most of the first half. I felt I felt like they got abused for most of the first half. Uh, Dylan Woodkey is a guy you'll want to take a look at, who's a defensive lineman for Youngstown. They actually have a solid defense. Mitch Davidson's a pretty solid quarterback that came back for Youngstown. And they returned 16 starters from their team last year. So they're really trying to rebuild that program in Youngstown, what was one of the more proud FCS programs in the United States. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously, Ohio State should win, and they should win by a large margin. But what I'm looking for, if I'm an Ohio State fan, is I'm looking for them to reestablish their physicality. Look, you have enough running backs. You have enough playmakers. You don't have to exhaust your key players in this game. Just keep pounding it. You don't You don't have to show a lot either, once again. You don't want to show a lot because you've got Notre Dame coming up in a couple weeks. You want to make sure that you're able to pound the ball and establish that that physical your physical presence once again. Uh, another FCS opponent. Boy, we're just getting these duds. I can't wait till the real games start. Ugh, I just can't wait to. I got to sit here and give you a Delaware Penn State preview. Are you kidding me? Delaware Penn State? The Blue Hens? Well, Delaware's had a, another program that used to be great back in the day that kind of fell off a little bit. They had a good year last year. They went eight and five. Got to the first round of the FCS playoffs. This is actually their first meeting since 1951, which, by the way, was the year that they uh, essentially established those Michigan helmets that they have at Delaware. Did you know that? 
So there was a former Michigan player who came to coach Delaware. And that's where the whole idea came from. Most of you, a lot of you already knew that. But if you didn't, hey, fun trivia. Fun trivia for you on a drive. So it's their first meeting since 1951. This game's on 11 a.m. on Peacock. I guess that Peacock subscription gets, gets you so much, huh? Don't you get so much? You get English Premier League games. You get that morning show thing. And you get Delaware and Penn State. <laughs> and that random uh, Sunday morning Major League Baseball game that starts at, like, what, 6 in the morning? What a great service. I, you got to pay for it. I mean, come on. You can't miss out on that stuff. Uh, Delaware is actually not a bad team. They were projected to finish third in the Colonial. They returned 10 starters. Uh, all of their producers in their running game are back this year. So they're decent. It's a decent FCS opponent. That's what you want when you're Penn State, when you when you schedule these teams. You want them to face like a good but not great FCS team where they get a little bit of a challenge, but you also want to get to a point where you can use your second string. So Penn State should not have any issues with that. As I told you guys last week, I loved their performance. I gave Penn State straight A's. I'm looking for more of the same this week, looking to be cool and crisp and all that they do. Just a professional-looking operation. That's what I got from that West Virginia game. I don't know. Maybe it's their shade of blue. Maybe I'm I'm drowning in that Penn State Kool-Aid. Moving along. Um, second item of the day. Oh, this is the one that I'm looking for. Actually, you know, let's let's wait till let's go back to that. I want to do Purdue Virginia Tech first, and then we're gonna take a break, and then we're gonna go to Nebraska, Colorado. Purdue and Virginia Tech. So I'll be honest, in my preview, I was really, really low on the Boilers. I think that they're going to be a representable team. Ryan Walters did not return a lot with this team. He supposedly got a solid recruiting class coming in for next year. But it's going to be a long year this year. Hudson Card really helps things out. Hudson Card is a great bridge for Purdue to have. I just shudder to think about where the team would be without a transfer of that level. And now they get a really good test at Virginia Tech. I know I said this isn't the best schedule to play when you're in a um when you're in a transition year. And now you've got to go to Virginia Tech. You got to go to Blacksburg. Hokies were just three and eight last year, but they do return 14 starters, seven on, on either side of the ball. And they lost four really close games last year, including that terrible Old Dominion loss in the in the opener. But this season, that season could have gone both ways. They were very close to being a seven and four, six and five type ball club. Antoine Powell, uh, Ryan Ryland is a guy on the defensive end that you'll have to watch. They're looking more like a bottom half ACC team. And as much as I ripped the ACC last year, I think this ACC is in a much better spot this year than what they were last year. Um, Young group last year, and I think it's a little bit deeper of a conference. And I think you kind of saw that a little bit earlier in the week with the the Clemson-Duke game. Although we might need to talk about Debo and what's going on at Clemson because that whole thing looks lost. I know that that man is a man of his faith, but I have a feeling that he's just writing up a playbook and then he just tosses in the air and says, God, make the plays happen. I'm like, Debo, 
it's nice to have good faith, but I, he, he can't call the plays for you. Like you still, you gotta, you know, you gotta get the guys ready and be inventive with, with your offense. I mean, it's a very, uh, oof. I mean, you want to talk about unimaginative and bland. Who would have thought of that about Clemson's offense? But that's where they're at. Uh, Purdue at Virginia Tech is going to be at 11 a.m. on ESPN2. A couple guys to look out for. Basial Tootin, who's a running back for Virginia Tech. Grant Wells, who actually did a really good job in the revenge win over Old Dominion in the opener, 36-17. One thing I noticed, their lines are a little suspect. So this may be a chance for Maccabee to break out. Purdue fans, I know, over the years have been dying for a Purdue team to grind the ball on the ground a little bit more. This might actually be an opportunity to do that and take the crowd out of the game. So can Purdue stick to the run? You know, I, I think Hudson will still do well, and, and I, I don't view this offense as really being an issue for the Boilers this year. I think they're going to be able to perform. I'm really interested to see what Ryan Walters can do with this group that doesn't have the most talent in the world. You know, he they really had to develop that Illinois defense over time. That wasn't an overnight project for Illinois. He worked with that group. It wasn't all done through uh, recruits. So there's enough talent at Purdue to see if maybe he can kind of finagle a competitive defensive unit. If he can do that, and Hudson Card's the guy that I think he can be, it's going to be a competitive team. But they're going to do a halfway decent job this year. It's not completely out of the question that they could reach out to get to 500, but they're already behind the eight ball with that early season home loss to Fresno. That's what heard about earlier in the week. Let's take a break, and we will be back in just a moment here on the Cavalcade. Welcome back to the Cavalcade. Once again, you can find us on Twitter by searching Dooley Football. We're also on Facebook under the Midwest Football Cavalcade. But subscribe to this podcast. Please do. There's also a donation button that's on there. If you go on the website on Spotify for podcasters, you can like actually put a little donation thing on there. I spent a lot of time doing research on this stuff. So shoot me $5. It'll make my year. It will. It'll make my life if you do that. Um, I don't ask. I'm not a big dude who asks for money. We try to do some like advertising stuff, but that's about it. I'm still waiting to get this. I'm still waiting to really establish excellence before we go in that direction. I think we're almost there, but we're not fully there. Speaking of excellence, you know, I'm thinking that we've got to bring back McDonald's breakfast throughout the day. It's one of the biggest crimes of the pandemic. And I blame, I don't know who to blame. I don't know if it's the lab practices taking place in China, or if it's just the evolution of disease. I don't know. I don't know what to blame or why that happened. But if you remember, they still had all day breakfast and COVID essentially shut it down. And it just absolutely, it just kills me. Because you should be able to get an Egg McMuffin whenever you want. 
you know, it's a big deal because you don't want to have to go to Starbucks and pay like 10 bucks for their version of an egg McMuffin, which by the way is also really good. But man, what's your favorite breakfast sandwich? I'm a sausage McMuffin with egg guy, but the problem is, is that uh, I've had some health issues recently. That sounded really dramatic when I said health issues. When I say health issues, I mean, I haven't been digesting stuff well. Not like I've got, <laughs> I've got some tumor in my stomach. I got, you know, I'm just not digesting things well. I've just had to, I've had to, um, oh, what the hell is the name of the cereal? I have like Wheaties or grape nuts. That's what I'm thinking. I have to have grape nuts like twice a week. A lot of apples and bananas. I, you know, I think it's a good time for me to share with you my digestive struggles. I think that's how we can build a relationship is if I share with you what's going on inside my body. And it was rough for a long time. So I started drinking a lot more water and I started being much smarter with my diet, which essentially means no sweets, no salts. Ugh, it's rough, guys. I'm having a rough time. That's why you hear me yelling at my TV all the time. That's why I'm, I get so angry at Ohio State's offensive line for not being physical enough because I know that they can be better. And I'm just bitter that I can't have Oreos. But for me, breakfast sandwich, sausage McMuffin with egg is number one. Egg McMuffin's number two. I don't even have a third one. That's just what I go to. That's not true. I mean, I would have a biscuit. The biscuit that they have. You know what I'm saying? The biscuit. The biscuit's good. I used to order four breakfast sandwiches when I was like 19 years old. I would order four breakfast sandwiches. And I had not even like, that's like not even me having some other nefarious drug in my body. I just mean like straight up, I would wake up and be like, it's time for me to eat four McDonald's breakfast sandwiches. That is not the case anymore. You get in your 40s, any kids out there, you just can't do that anymore. It's rough sledding. Anyway, let's get on to our group two of games. Nebraska at Colorado at 11 a.m. on Fox. The Buffs are favored by three. And uh, Travis Hunter, Shadur, Stan uh, Shadur Sanders. These are legit players. And it's more than just being legit. I was trying to think of why Colorado looked so different. And it's not necessarily about TCU. And people say, well, TCU doesn't have that great of a defense. They never have. You know, they're a little overranked. That said, Colorado did what they did on the road. And their players played with purpose. I wish I could give you more of a technical read on that statement, or if I could show you something via video so you know what that looks like. But to me, it looked like that team played with purpose. And purpose is different from confidence. Purpose is something that is drilled into you. It is a reflection of leadership. And I believe that Deion Sanders has instilled that in this group. I think in most instances, when someone says something like I just did after one game, you'd say, well, that's a, that's a pretty big overreaction. You can't say that based on one game. I saw that throughout the game. Dudes moving with purpose. It's been trained in them. It's been embedded in them. There's no, like, a, like the whole, it's Nebraska's first game was the complete opposite. It was 
Matt Rule went about it the complete opposite way. He kind of treated that game against Minnesota like it was a preseason game. It's a conference game. Saying at the end of the game, oh, you know, we're glad we were able to get on the field. You know, we tried some things. Oh, some things didn't work. And, you know, we'll have to go back to the drawing. Why those crap? Dude, this ain't Carolina anymore. That wasn't some August 9th preseason game against the Jaguars. That was Minnesota, your own one in conference. Now you got to get your guys believing that they can do something. Now you have to go into this buzzsaw in Boulder. And I'll be honest, I'm puzzled by buffs by three. I don't think that there's a, and, and you can nail me to a wall if I'm wrong about this. I think Colorado minus three is the easiest pick that you'll ever get. I think Colorado is going to absolutely destroy them. You're going to see the difference between playing with passion versus this passive, let's find out what we have from Matt Rule. That's that's all the game planning behind that Minnesota game. It all had the vibes of, I want to see what we have. What, how, let's feel it out. Let's see what works. You're going to see what works. You're going to be 0-6, bud. Jeff Sims. Great athlete. They have not designed an offense for that dude. Like they have not designed it completely around him. He is your best player on the field. You have to design the offense around that guy. Make it work. If it doesn't, get someone else who can run that whatever the hell offense that is the way you want to see it. Uh, people will be like, that's a little bit of an overreaction going into week two. You can't expect this guy to turn it all around quickly. I, I expect to see something better. I'll tell you that much. I expect to see something better. I expect you to not be that outcoached by PJ Fleck. So no more figuring it out from Nebraska. Uh, they have to make their stamp here. I hope they make me eat my words. I really hope they do but I believe a team with purpose and passion. There are things going on with this Colorado team that go beyond the number of returning starters that are on that are on that team. That go beyond any projection that you've been looking at. And I think those things are worthwhile. Those things matter. Second game we've got here at 230 UNLVs at Michigan. Boy, Michigan's favored by 37 and a half. This is another game that I'll be surprised if Michigan meets the spread. And it's not that I don't think Michigan's worth 37 and a half points. Uh, they are. This is the differential in talent. It's just the fact that they're going to have uh, Jay Harbaugh coach the first half and Mike Hart coach the second. And Hart's done some coaching before. I think you could just see in that first game that 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 fire, and the guys even said it after the game. The Michigan players admitted to this, that the, the fire that they had really wasn't where it would normally be that tenacity to finish. Uh, a couple items on UNLV if you're a Michigan fan. Doug Brumfield is the running Rebs quarterback. He can run. He's a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, Ricky White's a playmaker on the receiving core. And they're actually decent all around. I looked at this squad, and I was actually surprised, especially in the Phil Steele projections. He actually got them. He has them kind of low. I think they're better than where their projections are. They've got them uh, bottom half Mountain West. I, they, I honestly think that they could threaten to be a top half Mountain West team this year. They went five and seven last year. They only returned 13 starters, but all of their kind of projectors and their rankings within the conference make them look like they're a team that 
should rebound. So for Michigan, they've got to contain Brumfield. Uh, they're going to have to probably utilize Colson as a spy. Uh, Amorian Walker is hurt. Walker is still out. He, based on my last notes before I recorded this podcast, is still out and is not going to play in week two. So that is another item for Michigan to look at. Hey, might as well do those injuries now where you can get some underclassmen, some playing time against these lesser opponents because you're going to need those guys. You're going to need those guys as the year goes on. Oh, God, you know what I love every year is the Cyhawk Trophy. I love a good Cyhawk Trophy. And we've got that this week. Iowa is at Iowa State. The Hawks are favored by three and a half. The game is on at 2.30. The Cyclones are returning 15 starters from their four and eight group. They've got nine coming back on offense. You know Hunter Deckers. You love him. He's the quarterback. Uh, Nice win over Northern Iowa to start the year for the Tornadoes. And uh, they're they're kind of a mid-level Big 12 team, really solid defense. And I think this is going to be a challenge for Cade McNamara. I think he's really going to find himself in a challenging environment here. I'm really interested to see how he reacts to this Cyclone defense. And if they're still able to have some of that success through the air that they were able to have in week one. Uh, So this is a real challenge. They got Iowa by three and a half. Man, I, I'm just really surprised this isn't more down the middle. And I this is a great Iowa defense. I like what I saw from Iowa's offense in the first in the first week. I just to me, this feels like more of an even an even matchup. Boy, I'm really down on my Big Ten teams this week, aren't I? You guys are probably wondering to yourself, is this guy even a fan? Does he even care about us? Does he even like us? I don't know. That's for me to know. That's for me to know and you to find out. Next game, the Richmond Spiders are at Michigan State at 2.30 on the Big Ten Network. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on this game because Richmond lost their last game 17-10 to to Morgan State. Sparty's going to need to run the ball. They're going to not want to show too much. And I think because of that, if they can dominate the game early, Hopefully they can get Hauser some work in this game. I don't know what you learn from having Kim play. They want him to feel confident and all that. I'm like, whatever. I think you got to get Hauser some work. So hopefully they'll get that in the second half. Interesting story coming out of East Lansing this week was uh, wide receiver Alante Brown, who was carted off the field in the first half and then returned after being cleared by the medical staff. And then they did some research and said, oh, no, you can't play after he had returned. And then he came back to the field in street clothes. So he played. He got hurt. He went. He got reviewed. They said, you're good. He put his clothes. He put his he put his jersey back on. He played for a play. They were like, no, you're not good. We just looked at this other view. And they took him out of the game. And then he came back in street clothes. So there's been a lot of communication from the Michigan State training staff in regards to that. Um, you know, just a uh, touchy situation. You never want to see that happen. There's less cameras for them to evaluate these things with. If your team's playing a game on the Big Ten Network, you're not really dealing with a lot of technology. And you're trying to pull from stuff to find out if someone's visually okay when you look at the hit. They spent some time blaming camera views or something. It was just kind of weird. Anyway, 
I thought that was an interesting story that that actually happened. So uh, Michigan State should take care of Richmond at 2.30. UTEP is at Northwestern. Oh, my God. You're going to want to avoid the crowds. Stay away from Evanston, Illinois. Stay away because it's going to get crowded. 2.30 of the Big Ten Network. Oh, man, I told you last week how bad Northwestern looked. I watched that game, so you didn't have to. And UTEP's got a top. Uh, they're, they're, they're rated as one of the favorites in Conference USA, and they've got a great offensive line. Tyron Smith's one of the top players in Conference USA. A Northwestern's really going to struggle to win this game. They're listed as the favorite, but I think Northwestern is really going to struggle to win this game. I feel pretty confident UTEP's going to win it, actually. Uh, some really great stuff on social media. Braun was pleading with the public to support the team. I don't like the verbiage that was... I, I don't like what was chosen to be said. This team deserves the community's support. They don't. They didn't earn anything. All of that is earned, dude. You earn the support. I mean, the whole vibe of that, you know, you got to come like, dude, no, no, we do not have to support you at all. We don't. You want to do something worthy of our support? Then do that. Until then, no. All signs point to you guys showing that you don't care. You feel that you've been wronged in all of this. Well, if that's the case, then, you know, I got plenty of football to watch on TV. Uh, that's how I feel. I'm someone who went to at least one Northwestern game every single year, probably going back to, geez, 2006, 2007. I used to go with my cousin once a year. Unfortunately, he passed away a couple of years ago and, you know, COVID took a, a little cut into that, but it was a big part of our lives. You have to give me a reason to come back. Yeah, and even, even on the apology side, it's just been hollow. This whole thing's been handled so bad. When you don't have the trust of the public, you don't have anything. And I'm not, I, you know, some people are going to be bothered by what I'm saying or feel like I'm getting on my high horse about this, but there's a way to go about this stuff. There's a way to go about this if you're Northwestern. And it feels like they took every wrong turn in regards to this. And we're still doing it. We're still doing it. You got to support the, it's not, it's not about them. We need to, we need to see some form of true remorse from this football program that was responsible for this, from the program as a whole and the people in it, because you were involved in it before. I have to see it. I don't need you to be remorseful every single day of your life and have your shoulders slumped down. I'm so sorry. But da, 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 da. That's not that's not what I'm looking for. But I have to, you know, it has to look like you're making some type of an effort to reestablish the credibility of your program. I I don't see it at all. I maybe I maybe I'm the crazy one. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not seeing it. But I'm gonna go out on a limb. I don't think that there will be more than 10,000 people at that game. And when they would play out-of-conference openers, Northwestern would usually get around 20, which is not a lot, by the way. For those of you that are like from Ohio State and Michigan, you're probably stunned by that number. But I mean, they would say it would be 25, but it would really be like 15. 
I don't think there's going to be 10,000 fans at that game. I honest to God wouldn't be stunned if it was around five. That's how dire this is. I don't think they know. I don't think they get it. I think they're getting reports from their ticket office. I don't think they get it. So we'll see how that goes. I know, really enjoyable situation. Really enjoyable info. We're going to take one more break, and then we'll be back in just a couple of moments here on The Cavalcade. All right, we are back on The Cavalcade, starting again with the night games. Oh, we've moved into the soothing sounds of the autumn night. You know, it's still technically the summertime. That also brings me to another point. Uh, September in Chicagoland is undefeated. If you're going to visit Chicago, do so in September. It's still very summery with like a tint of fall at night. It's very romantic. I love it. And just it's like 75 and sunny every day. Cool nights. It's the best. You can't beat it. Also, other big news. I'm on a diet. I already told you about the diet, right? The 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 uh, the no no chips, the no uh, cookies. Yeah, I can't have that stuff. It makes me bloated, and I got to be able to digest. I got to be able to get myself in shape, so I can be healthy enough to maybe occasionally indulge. You know what I'm saying? So I'm trying to get to the last week of September because I'm going to D.C. for the week. That's going to be tough, by the way. i got to record stuff really quickly that week. That's going to be rough. But i got to take care of myself. i got to make sure I'm healthy. You want to hear my voice, right? You want to have me going on in the background about Big Ten football, the MAC, the Missouri Valley Football Conference? You don't want me like getting all sick and laying in a hospital bed. We're not talking about the Akron Zips. You don't want that. Uh, Let's start again. Wisconsin at Washington State. Pullman. Pullman. Washington. 6.30 p.m. on ABC. The Cougars uh, defeated Colorado State in the opener. The Badgers are favored by six in this game. Head coach Jake Dickert. Finished 7-6 and six last year with the Cougars. 12 returning starters, 7 on offense, 5 on defense. QB Cam Ward is back. Nakia Watson, do you remember that name? The running back for Washington State. Uh, one thing you can look at this rankings within the Pac-12. Wazoo does not have the best offensive line. So we'll see if that Badger front 7 can put some pressure on the Cougars. Also, not the best receiving core. So it's going to be up to Watson and if the Badgers can contain that Cougar running game. Uh, Malusi and Allen should be able to run the ball. And I think it's another great time for them to pound the rock again. Especially early in the game. I'd rather them just get going. Try to wear them down early. Run some play action. And get in Mordecai's ear and just let him know, you don't have to win this game. We just need you to make a couple throws, and we don't need you to make any mistakes. This isn't Dallas anymore. You don't 
have the whole world on your shoulders. You don't have to make every play. I think that will go a long way for him. So I think the Badgers are going to be fine in this one. You thought I was all negative pack, uh, negative Big Ten. I think the Badgers are going to win. I think they're going to win big. I think the Badgers are going to win by 17 points. I got them winning 27 to 10. I think the Badgers are better than I originally thought. Charlotte is at Maryland. And, you know, when the Charlotte 49ers play football, one thing comes into my my head, and that's you got to put this game on NBC. Charlotte and Maryland will be playing at 6.30. And, yes, that is not a joke. They will be playing on NBC. Oh, God, this is the future. This is what our what what um, this is what we have forsaken the Lord um, <laughs> as a little overdramatic. Um, so Charlotte's at Maryland at 630. You know, the Niners were three and nine last year. They're only returning 10 starters. They are coached by Biff Poggy. Biff Poggy. They've got one of the worst defensive backfields in the United States. I saw that on a ranking list, so you know that it's true. Uh, solid passing game. Um, bottom half team in the American Conference. So Maryland should be able to showcase Talia in this game. Showcase him early and get him off the field. Terps are the Turtles favored by 24 and a half. They should be able to jump on him early. Get him out. But a nice uh, showcase game anyway on national TV for Talia. Eastern Michigan is at Minnesota. The Gophers will try to go to 2-0 at 6.30 on the Big Ten Network. Chris Creighton and his Emu Eagles, along with their great running back Samson Evans, who I love, by the way. I'm a Samson Evans guy. And that's not a joke. I'm being serious. I love Samson Evans. Uh, Emu's not really rated high on their defensive line. Uh, the Gophers should be able to run the ball. They're going to have to be deliberate about it and get Kelly McManus to run off of play action a couple times. But this is not a gimme. I know Eastern Michigan struggled against Howard, and it wasn't pretty. But this is not a gimme. From what I saw last week, I'm not going to say any Minnesota game this year is going to be a gimme. So Kelly McManus needs to calm down. He's got to loosen up a little bit. And we'll see how he reacts this week. Is this going to be an easy, free-flowing game for the Gophers? I don't know. We'll find out. Another game I'm also interested in, I know a lot of America doesn't care about these bottom-rung Big Ten games. I care. And if I care, then America should care. Um, the Temple Owls are at the Rutgers Scarlet Knight. And another big mm, night in Piscataway. The three and nine Owls last year returned 16 starters. They had that first win over Akron. The Zips, remember, my favorite team that's trying to rebound from their rough year last year. They've got a good linebacking core. Not the best running game. Bad offensive line. I think for what that means for Rutgers is they need to be physical. They need to win the trenches. I know you could probably say that with every game, right? That's a silly thing to say. They got to win the trenches. Every game, you got to win the trenches. But in this particular game, due to the matchup, I think they have to win the trenches. And hopefully that frees up Wimsett to make some plays. 
and Rutgers can grind out another win. I, as bad as Northwestern was, I really liked a lot of things that I saw from Rutgers, and they've got a legitimate chance to get to 2-0. and This is what they had to do. We said it at the start of the year, they got to they gotta find a way to, they have to make sure they win the games they're supposed to win. So tough being in the Big Ten East when you've got Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan on your schedule. That's like three auto losses for them. So they've got to go six and three in their other nine games. Well, you won one, so now you got to go five and three. You win this one, then you just got to go four and three. It gets a little bit easier with each one that you get. So hopefully the Scarlet Knights will be able to knock that down. Now, a really interesting game this week, uh, Notre Dame. All right, we are back. We had some technical difficulties there. We were cut out, and now I'm worried about pretty much everything that's taking place. We were about to talk about Notre Dame and NC State, which is taking place at 11 a.m., and our good friend uh, Armstrong is back at quarterback for NC State. You know, that's going to be a tough game for the Irish, mainly because NC State's aware of Sam Hartman. They've played him in the past. So, and I still worry about how undersized that Notre Dame team is on defense. They just don't look that big. I know that's really, that's really in-depth analysis right there. That's, I was seeing them on my TV and they looked small. So we'll see what that looks like when we get them in a real environment. But I, this feels like a trap game to me. This feels like we're going to have a really good feel for where the Irish are after this one. I'd be more I'd be more worried if the game was taking place at night. I don't know. I know it sounds weird. 11 a.m. doesn't matter. Let's go over to our other games that are taking place in the MAC and Missouri Valley Football Conference. Um just quickly kind of going through these. So Ball State is going to be at Georgia. They have to go to Athens to face the Bulldogs at 11 a.m. That is what I like to call, or at least I've heard the term, the word they use in the old country is problematic. That's that's the word that I'm using. That is a problematic thing. So Ball State's going to have some trouble there. New Hampshire, always a pretty solid FCS school, is going to be at Central Michigan. They'll be playing the Chips in Mount Pleasant at 1230, trying to rebound that loss to Michigan State. Eastern Illinois is going to be at Bowling Green. So the Panthers will try to build off of their big win over Indiana State by taking down the Falcons, uh, who had opened their season by losing to Liberty. Uh, Western Michigan will be at Syracuse, so an opportunity for the Bronx to see what they can do. Miami of Ohio is going to be at UMass, so they'll try to rebound after embarrassing themselves against the Canes. Uh, Big game around here, the game I will be at, SIU at NIU will be at 2.30 in DeKalb. Northern's got a great running game. And, um, you know, Hammock, Hammock said in the preview, he said, Nick Baker, SIU's quarterback, was better than Boston College's and they'll have more to prepare for, which is really interesting. I think Northern's going to be fine in this one. I think this is going to be a decent Southern team. I just think that it's not their best one. And I think this Northern team is going to be really good. They, they seem really focused this year as they'll try to build off of that win against Boston College. Texas Southern is going to be at Toledo at 2.30, so the Rockets will try to rebound after that loss to Illinois. I think they'll be in good shape there. 
Kent State has to go to Arkansas. Um, this is going to be bad. Kent State is in dire straits as a program under a first-year coach. Arkansas, um, if they want to, could win this game by 80 points. It's really up to them what they want to do, but that's going to be ugly. The Bobcats of Ohio will be at Florida Atlantic. That's an interesting game at 5 p.m. Morgan State's at Akron at 5 p.m. And Fordham is at Buffalo at 5 p.m. So let's see what the Buffs can do because they showed us a good half against Wisconsin. In the Missouri Valley Football Conference, uh, South Dakota is going to host St. Thomas of Minnesota. That's my sleeper pick, by the way, to make the Missouri Valley Football Conference. You heard it here first. St. Thomas. I think they're going to finagle their way in. Maine, the Black Bears of Maine will be at North Dakota State. So we'll see another top five Valley team in action at home. And then we go to conference games. Dude, we got an early Missouri Valley football conference matchup already. Illinois State is going to be at Western Illinois at 3 p.m. How about that? Uh, Northern Arizona is at North Dakota. By the way, the Valley did a really good job on their scheduling. This is some really tough out-of-conference FCS games here. Northern Arizona, Northern Arizona is at North Dakota at 3 p.m. Really good matchup. Weber State at Northern Iowa at 4 p.m. That's another great matchup. Montana State at South Dakota State at 6 p.m. That's a good matchup. Uh, and Missouri State's going to be at UT Martin at 6 p.m. Those are all pretty good games. You don't know that. I'm 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 gonna go out on a limb and say that I'm the only dude who knows this. Um, because nobody cares about the FCS except for me. Uh, in other regional Midwest action, Cincinnati, the Bearcats will be at Pitt. That game will be on at 5:30. Pitt is favored by seven and a half. And might as well just be the Bengals and the Steelers, right? I wrote Cincy and Pitt, but I think the Panthers have a pretty good team this year, so I feel pretty good about them being out in front. Thank you for joining us on this week two preview, despite uh, additional, and I don't know what the heck's going on. I was just listening to an example of this. I don't know what the hell's going on with the audio. I'm going to have to get in the studio at some point. But if you could, please, for me, subscribe to the podcast and also make sure that you follow us on Twitter X. I'm at Dooley Football. Remember, that is at Dooley Football. And then find us on Facebook. But more importantly, subscribe to the podcast. And if you're on Spotify, you can actually go to the site, click on it, and you can actually give me a donation because I do spend time and research on this. And the more money that I get, the more ability I'm going to get as far as podcast quality and things of that nature. So it's all, all beneficial. I love you all. I love you, all of you during football season. All my football fans, you're like my family. So I really enjoy spending this time with you. We'll be back, I believe, we're going to try to be back Monday morning with the week two review. It might not come till Tuesday morning. Um, and once again, due to out-of-conference out games, it should be a split. So you will get a week two review followed by a week three preview. Once again, I'm John Dooley. Thank you for listening to The Cavalcade, and we'll see you next week.